And I'm reading from verse 30. Mark chapter 6, reading from verse 30. The apostles gathered round Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve baskets full of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was five thousand. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on the mountainside to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. He saw saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not seen or understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats wherever there he was. This morning, it's about broken pieces. And when Jesus came, he, he came with no technology. Do you know, last night, there wasn't one little tiny bit of background music of CDs. Every single item was live. Wasn't that great? 
No technology, no PA system. I'll be totally lost without that. No TV programs, no books. He was a person-to-person man. He was a, a life giver. And his words energized people. And so this scene is set with these 5,000 men. Doesn't include the women and the children. And it's, it's, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's the only miracle that's recorded in all four gospels. So it's, it's a big problem that's there. They're in a remote situation. It's very light, late. Banks are closed and uh, the cash machines are not in service. And the disciples look at these people and come up with this great idea. We're great at ideas, aren't we, sometimes in churches? But some of our ideas are just stupid. And this was one of them. It was totally stupid. And they looked and they said, send them away so they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. God bless the lads. But actually what they were saying was, could you get rid of them, Jesus? There are, of course, people who come into our church who we would like to get rid of. There's been moments in my love I would have loved to strangle them, but I would have not got off with it. But we do. The church has got to be a place where all kinds of people can come. They might not come every week. They might only come once in a while. But there has got to be a place. Oh, I'll never forget. I was in Southport with Mary. We'd just been to a church service. It was the most boring church service I've ever been to in my life. And we came out and we went into this theatre. And I looked at Mary and she looked at me. She said, I'll tell you which I prefer, Michael. In here. People were buzzing, they were talking, they were chatting. And uh, it was that moment of the concert, the second half, where this guy stood with a uh, black fedora on his head. And up here was a microphone, the pin spot picked out of the microphone. And as the microphone came down, you heard these words. If I can get them right, I'll do it. Came down. Oh, there's a place for us. Somewhere a place for us. Peace and quiet and I'll take you there hold my hand and we're halfway there somewhere PJ Proby oh amazing there's a place people are looking for a place 
You give them something to eat, Jesus says. That, that shut them up, didn't they, eh? You give them something to eat. You do it. The responsibility is on your shoulders. Woo! If we, if we worked, you know, till we're, uh, you know, nearly 80, we wouldn't be able to, to, to get the amount of money that's needed. And then Jesus says, quick survey, what do we got? And they said, we've got a lad here who has five barley loaves and two, four, two small fishes. You know this lad, we don't know his name and we don't know his mum's name. We know nothing about him. He was not even counted because he didn't count. But in Jesus' eyes he counted. He counted. Last week I was down in Oswestry, uh, near to, um, well near to Oswestry, at a place called Quinter. And there we had a gathering of uh, 50-odd blokes from uh, Harper Ray. Wow, eh? Eee, Harper Ray. Wow. That's where men and men and women aren't much different. <laughs> oh. And these lads, these lads, they were, they were on fire for God. There were lads who were recovering alcoholics. There were lads who were recovering drug addicts. There were lads who had come through divorces. There were lads who came and, you know, one lad had just got beaten up. Well, that would have been an excuse not to come, but he wasn't there. He talked with his so-called jaw a bit that way when he talked, but uh, he was all right. And it was great to be with them. But, you know, they wouldn't fit into a normal church. But there down in Harper A, at Christ Church and at the community church in Harper A, they fitted in because there's a place for them. A place. There's got to be a place for people that don't do the right thing, who if you hang your coat up at the back, they'll go through the pockets. Who... I had my purse stolen when you shouldn't have left it in your pocket, you daft thing. But this is what happens with lads like that. We're talking about people who've not got a place. Who all they've got is a sleeping bag and some cardboard. I love them lads. I love them. Somebody said to me recently, do you ever give money to people on the street. I said, no, I don't. I take them home with me. There's got to be a place. It might not be your cup of tea, fine. But you've got to make a place for people. A place. God uses people who in the eyes of society don't count. A little lad with five loaves and two fishes. And God said, we can use that and we can use you. I remember Ray 
Ed Haywood, what a grand guy he was. He worked in what was called the Devil Hole. If you're not so sure what the Devil Hole is, that's the area where um, before cotton is, is combed, you, you, you go in there and you, you sort it out and you break it in the bales and you break it open. Ray died. Uh, he, he died of, um, of um, the cotton getting wound round his, his throat. And he, he just... He just passed into glory. It was sad. But Ray took us with, with Big Al on a coach trip to uh, York. And uh, we all paid our money and we got on board the sh- boat. Uh, boat, what am I talking about? Oh, the, the, um, the bus. And off we went to York. Coming into York, Ray gets up and went around every single one of the people there. And gave them back their fare. He paid for the coach. He couldn't afford it. But it didn't make any difference. He paid for it. Because that was the kind of bloke he was. And there's got to be a place. For people like that. And then. He tells them to sit down in groups of 50. And uh, it's on green grass as well. I love that little phrase from Mark's gospel. Peter must have been absolutely on form. And he, he, he said, it were on green grass. I've sat on green grass at Greenbelt. I've sat in groups of 50 and more. And we've broken bread. And we've drunk wine. And that's been a great moment. And he, he prepared the people. He's saying to them, get yourselves in order. Get yourselves in order so that you can receive. Oh, one or two of you are right in front of me. You've got it. You've got it before I went there. Get yourselves in order so that you can receive what God has prepared for you. If you're going to hold the blessing of God, you've got to have a structure. You've got to be, hold, be able to hold the blessing of God. When, when the Welsh revival broke out, 1904 by the way, the church then was not in order. And it actually could not contain the blessing of God that was poured out on the Welsh people. It couldn't hold it. The order was not there. Evan Roberts. He said there would be no blessing. No blessing. I wish I was a Welsh preacher. I can hear myself. No blessing, no blessing on anyone who has unkind thoughts to another. Evan Roberts. Over in America, in Los Angeles, there was a revival that took place. That was uh, two years later in 1906. And that revival was in, in an area called Sousa, Sousa Street. And the churches, listen to this, the churches were up in arms. Well, I can't, absolutely. You know, these people, you know, 
um, shouting and raising their hands in worship and getting carried away. Oh, and singing in tongues. Oh, I can't be doing with all that. No, it wasn't that. Oh, well, it must have been the preachers. The preachers preaching a fiery message. No, it wasn't that at all. What was the churches getting all uptight about? In, about Sousa Street in America. Let me tell you what it was. It was to do with a black and a white man coming and kneeling at the front. That's what they were up in arms against. That's what they didn't like. I was in southern uh, states and I heard men of God saying this I don't think it's what God intended that a black man should marry a white girl <coughs> my response get a life get a life it's not unbelievable no wonder that the church couldn't hold that revival that took place there in Sousa Street an uproar was not about somebody bursting into tongues or singing in the spirit or miracles or anything like that. It was because a black man and a white man were knelt together in front of the table of the Lord. No wonder they couldn't hold the blessing. A black and a white man kneeling together at the front of the church and so Jesus begins to prepare them for this moment and uh, he takes the bread he blesses it he breaks it and he gives it that, that's the order that's the order men and women that's what he does with your life and my life that's how it works out he takes it, he blesses it, he breaks it, and he gives it. And he'll not break you until you've been blessed. And then he'll give you. And when Jesus came, the Apostle Paul says he emptied himself. Oh, there's been more stuff written about that than I can ever imagine. Used to drive me around the bend in college. He emptied himself. The kenosis theory. How much did God empty himself before he became a man? I said to the principal, I said... What's the big deal? The big deal, Mr. Huck. The big deal. The big deal. Did you hear that, Mr. Huck's, about the big deal? And what do you think the big deal is? I said, well, he emptied himself. He emptied himself into something. Into humanity. He poured out his life. Into humanity, poured out his life, and still continues to pour out his life into humanity and into the church. Wonderful.
Ah, and he blessed the bread and he broke it. I I remember seeing um, a film of a Roman Catholic priest in a place called Suarez, near the borders. And uh, the church went over on Christmas Day to a dump where over, you know, two or three hundred people were were, were sorting through the rubbish. Children sorting through the rubbish on a dump where all the, the muck was brought from the towns around and dumped into this place. And they went and they, they took some food. And 800 people showed up. And this guy said, I had a leg of lamb. And I kept cutting that leg of lamb and kept cutting it and kept cutting it. And I tell you, I just kept cutting it. I don't know what was happening, but I just kept cutting it. And there was more and more and more and more. That's what God does, you see. He gives us more than we could ever, ever dream of. Give me your broken people and I'll show you where the blessing is. Aye. Wonderful story. The power was not in what they ate. But what was left over. Now we're getting to it. Twelve baskets full. This is what I call uncalculating generosity of God. He didn't say this much and no more. God is not limited to our capacity to receive what is given. God is not limited to our capacity to receive what is given. But why 12 baskets fall? Well, we come back to that. It's all to do with looking forward. So now the story changes. Jesus goes to pray. And the lads are going over to the other side. They're just not too keen on going to the other side. And you might say, why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because it was Gentile country. And the Jews have no dealings with the Gentiles. They weren't happy going over. But as they're going over and rowing their heart out, this storm came up. About the fourth watch, that's approximately 3 a.m. I was just getting over to sleep at 3 a.m. this morning. And at 3 a.m., they're in difficulty. And so Jesus comes walking on the water. Listen up. He knows what we can't tell him. He was not in an audible range, yet he knows. He knows what is taking place in the boat. He knows the situation. He knows they're in trouble. 
I'm talking to you this morning. And in your boat and in your life, he knows what you can't tell him. He might not be, as it were, in an audible range like here, but he knows. He knows what's taking place in your boat. He knows your situation. He knows when you're in trouble. He knows. This God does not live upstairs. He lives downstairs with the servants. And if you remember what takes place in Downton Abbey, you remember that there is that that takes place up there and that that takes place in the kitchens. And that's where God is. A God who is there with the downstairs people. He walks, he walks on top of the very thing that you think you're going to drown in. He walks on top of it. He walks on top of the very thing that could destroy you. The very thing that could take you down. He walks on top of it. They look up and they think it's a ghost. I think I would have thought the same thing. I would have been absolutely scared out of my living daylights. He looks up and is it, is it a ghost? Is it an apparition? You see, when God comes to you, he doesn't necessarily come in the ways you recognize him. He comes through a friend. He comes through a colleague. He comes through a loved one. He comes through the radio. He comes through when you open a book up and begin to read. God comes to us. I am with you. That is my promise. If you ever went to Hayward Baptist Church and walked up the, the, uh, the steps and walked up to the entrance, on your left-hand side, there's a tablet set in the wall. And on that tablet, it talks about the church uh, day in which the foundation stone was laid. And this is what it says. It's from the book of, book of Haggai. It says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God is with you. Whatever happens in your life, God is with you. Absolutely with you. God is there. I find those words so encouraging. I was scared. And you came to me. I was nervous. You came to me. 
I was frustrated and you came to me. I was empty and you came to me. I was lonely and you came to me. I was bereaved and you came to me. And the storms of life were nearly sinking my ship. And you came to me. Actually, they were unable to recognize Jesus until he heard his voice. You know, I've never heard the voice of Jesus audibly. Never. But I know his voice. I know his voice. Because he's come to me when I've been nervous. He's come to me when I've been worried. He's come to me when I've been frustrated. He's come to me when I've been empty. He's come to me when I've been lonely. He's come to me when I've been bereaved. I, I hear people, it's, it's in churches even. Um, haven't you got over it yet? I'm looking around and think, is there a dog in this place? Or what? Are you talking to a dog or what? Have you got over it? It's not an obstacle race, you know. The answer is no. And my father died when I was 26. It took me like into my 50s to really come to terms with it. Oh, my grandson committed suicide. It wrecks you. It tears you to pieces. But I've come to you. I've come to you. I'm with you. To know his voice. That's an old phrase, isn't it, from the scriptures? The sheep know my voice. I know about sheep. I was brought up in the country. I know milk doesn't come from a bottle and a carton. I was milking my first cow when I was about seven years of age with me three a stem stool so that it would be nice and firm in a shipping. And I milked the cow. It took me an hour and a half. I think the guy thought I was a lunatic. The sheep know my voice. Oh, listen. Before you hear his voice, you know his name. It is I. It's me. It's your friend. I've come to you. Today, if you hear my voice, on that day when I heard his voice, I heard him call my name. I was only a young lad of, of 14 years of age. I look back and around now and I see kids of 14 and I think to myself, they haven't a clue and God whispers in my ear and neither did you, Michael, so don't get any clever ideas. <laughs> you knew now then and you know less now. 
So don't get clever with me. But I heard him call my name. It still has a, a contemporary voice with it. I heard him call my name. I didn't hear it out loud. I just knew. I put it like this. He got hold of me collar. And he's never let go since. Young lad of 14. Well, the wind dropped. Oh, by the way, Peter's doing his walking on water and what have you. But we, we're not going into that at this point. But the wind dropped. Aye. And he got into the boat. I bet he just looked. Looked at what? He just looked. And looked at the lads. What did he look at? He just looked. And then looked at the lads. What was he looking at? He looked. And then looked at the lads. I don't get that. Twelve baskets full of broken pieces. The miracle was on board. The miracle was on board. The miracle sometimes we look for is on board. It's there. It's twelve baskets full. One for each of the lads. You go through the experiences of life, but you'll come out with a basket full of broken pieces. And sometimes our lives are like that. All we are is just a bunch of broken people. Well, all I can say is this, that if God did that with bread and fish, What's he going to do with your life? In its brokenness, he says, I can use it. Because there's something in my mind that reminds me that he is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to the power that is working in us. He will come to us and he will meet our needs and he'll say have a look at the 12 baskets have a look at those in, in, in the people of God here that have come that are broken that's that's where I take my inspiration looking at people that have been broken and the way in which they offer to me their brokenness. Like Jesus took the bread and the fish and broke it and gave it and distributed it. The people have come to me during my life who have been broken by life. Broken and shattered. But they're the people. They're the people, men and women, who offer me in Christ life itself. Look what I did for you, he said. Look what I did for you six hours ago. 
broken pieces. I didn't get there by myself. God brought me through. Every task that has been set before me, you brought me through. Every challenge that has come into my life, you brought me through. Every bereavement that I've gone through, you brought me through. Every depression that I went into, you brought me through. And his power this morning is sufficient to bring you through as well. He came to earth because you can't climb to heaven. You know, when Mary and I went to Haywood, we had the priceless sum of £2, 1966. That's all we had. I was at Northern College at that point. I didn't have any grant. I had absolutely nothing. I had a little minibus that I used to run the football team around and they would pay me their bus fares if they were that way inclined. I used to take people to preach on Sunday and then drop them off one by one and pick them up. Mary was in Morecambe. For three months I was unable to go home because I didn't have the money. But you know, I've been on radio and I've been on TV. I've played in one of the best faith bands that I know. I've been chairman of one of the fastest growing companies in the country. Because the power... The power is not where I am, but where I've been. Because there's power in brokenness. Power in brokenness. I love that song. It's um, all the way my Savior leads me. All the way. How can I ask beside... Can I doubt his tender mercy who through life has been my guide? Wow. I brought you through and I'll bring you through it again. Because he comes and he looks at the brokenness. And he said, I was the one who blessed you. I see your brokenness. I see your broken pieces. How can I doubt you? How can I not trust you? You've brought me through. <laughs> I thought it were a ghost. But I am your God. I am your bread, I am your water, I am your life, I am your strength, I am your peace, I am your deliverer, I am your joy, I am your future. And I will feed you, feed you with bread and wine. I will feed you with the Eucharist. 
I'll preserve you in the storms of life. And I'll tell you that this broken body of mine, which is broken for you like the bread and the wine that is poured, that it will be my body that keeps you in eternal life. And as he pours out the wine, he says, this is my blood which will keep you in eternal life. And I look back over my life and I've got to admit there is nothing that I did by myself. Because when I look I see 12 baskets full. And that's the miracle. It was God. It was God. And so now The one who started all this is going to be the one who finishes it. He will take you one day to be with himself. And he'll say, welcome home, pilgrim. What have you brought in brokenness? What have you brought in brokenness?